he's a 21 year old hip hop artist from San Diego known for his records Young Life, New Vibes, Lost Boys, Honey Blonde, and Olympus. And he's joined today with his amazing girlfriend. Together, they have a passion for sharing Jesus with others. Please welcome to the show, John Keith and Jordan Arbello. Hey guys. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. It is good to have you guys on. And uh, Keith, I, or John, <laughs> I'm meeting you for the first time, man. It's uh, good to meet you. Yeah, uh, you too. I'm actually 23. Uh, you probably got that from my, uh, my SoundCloud page that has not been, oh, Genius? Yeah, I got it from Genius. But apparently they're genius. not they're not smart enough to be called Genius because they got your age wrong. 23. <laughs> 23. Sorry about that. My bad. Yeah. So I'm just now meeting you. Jordan and I go way back in the sense of she was in the youth group at my church when I was a volunteer. And uh, you probably remember me, Jordan, having very long hair. Yes, I do. <laughs> very awkwardly long hair for a guy to have. So it's great to see you again. And yeah, it's, good to see you. it's great to have you guys on the show. I. I, I just want to say before we jump into it, I, I really appreciate your guys' social media presence. I think it's really cool to see a couple that has a passion for sharing Jesus together in that area because it's such a mission field and you guys do it so well. Thanks for doing that. That's, that's how I discovered the topic that I wanted to talk to you guys about today. It was through a post that Jordan shared uh, on her Instagram. So Yeah, thank you. I feel like I, I'm trying to be a little bit more present on social media, but it's always kind of interesting to gauge like what to say and what not to say. So thank yeah. you for the feedback. <laughs> yeah, no, especially uh, with how divided things are in the world right now. It's uh, you got to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. But you did a great job. You didn't say what you said in a way that was divisive. It was actually encouraging. And so before we jump into that main topic, I just think it'd be great for the audience to get to know you guys a little bit. Can you tell us your story about your relationship, how you guys fell in love? Uh, let's dive into that. Yeah, do you wanna share? Yeah, so I had a friend, or I have a friend. <laughs> he is a photographer and he posted these pictures from a photo shoot on his Instagram. And it was of this girl and I was like, yo, she <laughs> is going crazy. And so I followed her and then she followed me back and you know, some time went by and I ended up shooting her a DM and I uh, tricked her into agreeing to model for my uh, clothing line photo shoot. Uh, that never happened, but uh, I did get a girlfriend out of it, so. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a very 2020 love story, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> Extremely. So Instagram's involved, DMs is involved. That's, uh, that's great. That's awesome. It's. It's been encouraging just from a distance to see your guys's relationship and from what I can tell it really seems like your faith plays a central role in that relationship. Can you guys tell us about that? I'd love to hear about how faith plays a role in your relationship. Yeah. So, it wasn't just like attraction based why we got to know each other and why we wanted to date. It was also because, you know, him being an artist, what? <laughs> him being an artist, his whole um, career is based on his love for Jesus and wanting to exemplify Christ through the music that he makes. And so that's why I was a little bit more open to meeting someone on social media before I was like, <laughs> that's never going to happen. <laughs> but I started to listen to the music and we actually had mutual friends who were able to speak on his um, character. Hmm. 
And then vice versa. I mean, he says that he could tell that I love Jesus based on some of the things that I had posted. And, and so getting to know each other in person and in real life was definitely like trying to figure out, does this person have a genuine love for Christ? because I was like just never wanting to date anybody who, you know, just like says that they love God, but through their actions doesn't actually show that. And I feel like there's a lot of that within the church. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to find somebody who loves Jesus and is not just like saying that, but through their life, it shows that. Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome to see that faith plays a central role in your guys' relationship, because for a lot of Christians, at times that's not really at the forefront. It's just the physical attraction, or it's just the friendship and the connection. But from what I can tell from the things you guys post, it really seems like that's something at the forefront of what you guys want for your life is you want to not just be a Christian couple, but be a, a couple that serves Jesus together. So I appreciate that about you guys. And I think you're doing a great job. I think that you guys are uh, being an awesome example to so many people. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm encouraged by that. Now, John, I hope, I hope that you'll probably pick up from talking to me, but I am not necessarily somebody who is super into hip hop music, but over time I have grown to appreciate it, but I just feel so lame talking to a hip hop artist because I'm just not like a hip hop guy. Uh, so I just, I, I'm, I'm asking for, uh, in all humility, you to, to not judge me too harshly in that. But, uh, yeah, I grew up like listening to only like super, I would say white Christian music from the nineties and, uh, <laughs> you know, newsboys and audio adrenaline and all that stuff. And, you know, of when I discovered music for myself as a teenager, it was like 1960s music for some reason. I don't know why it was in the early 2000s. It made no sense, but I was just listening to the Beatles and the who and the Kings and the zombies and all that. So when I became a youth pastor though, hip hop is the music that the kids I ministered to really liked. And so over time I've grown to appreciate it. Can you give us a little bit of your story just in a summary? How did you get into music and what role does music play in your life? Oh man, music for me is like everything. You know, so when I was a kid, my mom uh, put us in music classes. So I was playing drums and, you know, it was just everything. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I, I started playing drums at my church. So I was a church drummer nice. and I've always liked to like sing, even though it, it wasn't always good. But when I was about 14, I started listening to hip hop. And then, yeah, it's just, it's the way that music has influenced me. It's just been it's one of the main things God used to speak to me. It's one mm. of the main things God has used to comfort me and mm. let me know I'm not alone. You know what I'm saying? Uh, give me peace. It's just, it's just been so much. It's like one of, uh, it's just such a great tool. Uh, and so when I started making music, never in a billion years did I imagine that I'd be able to do it at the level that I do it at now. Mm. I never imagined uh, God would give me the platform that he has mm. or let me, you know, do things like meet my heroes and do music with them as well and like all that kind of stuff so that's a huge blessing um but yeah i mean ultimately like that that's what it is it's just it's it's a it's an amazing tool mm. you know and that's kind of how i look at it but it's it's also like i just i love it i love it when i when i tell people the things that are like that mean everything to me it's you know it's god jordan and music that's, awesome. that's like <laughs> it's yeah that's great, man. It definitely seems like a calling. Who are some of those heroes of yours you've been able to work with? 
Andy Mendiel, KB, mm. Cray, Derek Miner. You know, like the the people who I don't know if you know about like one one six and all that. I knew when I was I knew about uh, three of those guys you listed. The one you just said though, no, but I did know a few of those guys. Yeah, Andy, yeah, so Lecrae, yeah. All those dudes were in a a group called one one six. And so when I was a kid, I was like, all I wanted was to be in that group. Like that's that was my entire dream, you know. And now I've gotten the chance to meet and know all of them, and they know me. Hmm. And like that—that's the crazy part, I think. You know, because you can meet your hero, but when your heroes know you and know who you are and know your music and all that yeah. kind of stuff, it's like, oh wow, this is a different level. So phenomenal. Yeah. yeah so those are those are my my guys. That's great, man. It's it's great to see how you're using music for God's kingdom. And the thing that shocked me again is somebody who's kind of an outsider to hip hop, but who is slowly trying to learn more about it. I've been shocked and just really impressed at the theological depth that is found in so much hip hop that is made by uh, Christians. So, yeah, incredible stuff. So I was shocked when, shocked and surprised when I ended up on Jordan's Instagram, you know, cause Jordan, I follow you cause we used to go to the same church. You were one of the kids back in the youth group. And I just love to keep tabs on everybody who used to be in the youth group so I can pray for them and just, you know, just see what's going on in their lives. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't know each other super, super well, but we came from the same circles. And so I was really shocked and, and surprised and blessed when I saw you posting on your Instagram specifically about you and your boyfriend's decision to wait until marriage to have any sort of sexual intimacy because you were speaking about it with such humility but also conviction and I was impressed with that because I think it's an it's a rarity these days and you know I just want to say to our audience before we start talking to you guys about these views that you have the intent of this episode, for those of you guys listening, it's not to shame anybody who's had sex before marriage or to beat them up or make them feel terrible. We understand that people make mistakes and people aren't perfect, but the goal of the Christian life, it's not perfection, it's to follow Christ, the perfect one, and allow him to shape us into his image. And so, you know, I'm bringing these two on the show because I believe their perspective is very valuable and the way that they are desiring to follow Christ in the relationship is something I think we can all learn from. I'd love to ask you guys specifically about that decision to wait. How did you come to that decision? And why is it something that you're passionate to talk about, Jordan? Okay, so the first, so, well, actually one of the things that I had posted about was the fact that we don't kiss, hmm. kind of in order to just set a boundary so that things don't, you know, get crazy. Yeah, I, I forgot was, about, I, I forgot about that. It wasn't just, no sex it was as far as no kissing which is uh i think most young people even a lot of young christians would look at that view and say oh that's kind of extreme yes hmm. absolutely so that idea sort of say was introduced to me by my parents recommending that to my sister when i was like 12. she had just started dating her now husband and my parents kind of suggested to her like, hey, like we don't think that you and your boyfriend should be kissing, just 
because we know that there might be struggle there. Hmm. And as a 12 year old um, hearing about that, I was just kind of like, <laughs> that is so extreme. I'm <laughs> never going to do that when it comes to my relationship. Like right. that's not a desire of mine. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I had no plans to do that, but part of my testimony and this is kind of like a whole other topic, but part of my testimony is that I struggled um, with an addiction to pornography for mm, wow. multiple years. Wow. And that's also something that I feel like not many people talk about specifically as women in the yeah, church. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that was just like a really big period of my life where I was really struggling with shame and just even worries about mm. what my future relationship would look like because I wanted to be in a godly relationship and so when I feel like God finally freed me of that addiction, I kind of just felt like God had really given me a new sense of what purity meant because I no longer felt pure anymore. I no longer felt like I offered any sort of kind of like value in that sense wow. in regards to being in a relationship. I really had to take time and allow God to remove that shame from me. And, mm. and finally, once that happened, I just felt like um, God had kind of given me a new identity when it came to purity, that he was still valuing me and, and seeing me as pure and as his daughter. Mm. And so um, that really redefined and shaped how I viewed relationships and how I viewed how I wanted to kind of conduct myself when it came to relationship. Before we started dating, I had kind of let him know like, hey, this is never something that like I thought I was going to do, but I don't think that we should kiss in our relationship, mm. which didn't really like scare him, but kind of took him back a little bit. <laughs> it's definitely not the norm in the culture for sure. Yeah, no, not at all. But yeah, I just really wanted to protect the foundation of our relationship, knowing that we have the rest of our lives to build our intimacy. And I really just wanted our relationship to be something that exemplified God. And, and I also just wanted to protect my new sense of uh, purity that I felt like God had given me. I wanted to protect my relationship with God and didn't want to put my relationship with a man above that and lose sight of that. Mm. Um, That's great. I wouldn't say since we started dating that things have been perfect. It's definitely been a lot harder than I would have imagined. And we have kissed and we learned very quickly that not kissing doesn't completely eliminate the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So, yeah, we've had a lot of lessons, but one thing that has remained true, even when we've messed up and we feel like we kind of have lost sight at times, we still really desire to please God and honor him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's beautiful. And I'll just say really quick, I, I think what you're saying is so refreshing and I think will be so encouraging to so many of our young listeners because you're not standing here saying, listen, this is how to be perfect and I've always been perfect and just be perfect like me. You're, you're, you're expressing an ideal, something that you feel called to 
while also sharing the struggle and sharing that at times it's hard. At times we do mess up and we fall just like any other area of the Christian life, but there's still an ideal that we hold to. And it's something that we're, we're, we're working towards and heading towards because in our heart, we believe it honors God and it honors our relationship, not just with God, but with other humans made in God's image. So I think that's beautiful, Jordan. Uh, John, I would ask you, what's your take on the whole thing? What's, what's been your perspective on it? So, when she had said she doesn't want to kiss until marriage, that was a nightmare come true. <laughs> that was for me as a guy who was deeply attracted to this girl, mm-hmm. both physically and emotionally and like mentally and everything like that. And was not only planning, but looking forward to kissing her. I was like, this is going to be lit. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, like, I don't want to kiss until marriage. And I was like, hmm, okay, that is an interesting thing. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so that was, but, and so it was a, a struggle. It was a, a tough decision, but ultimately I decided what was more important, my desire to, to kiss and to have my lips and flesh satisfied <laughs> or you know because she told me she wasn't just like i didn't want to kiss you she was like you know this is why i feel like i will struggle and i feel like we'll struggle more if we just were just kissing or we're just making out and all that kind of stuff i think we will struggle even more mm. and i was like okay what's more important protecting uh my purity and this girl's purity and the tough thing was when we started dating i wasn't a virgin right and she is and so, you know, I was struggling with the feeling like, ah, you know, like my, my purity's already been compromised. It is what it is. Right. But I want to try and protect hers, but without, I hadn't really realized, you know, like, or I had realized, but I hadn't really taken into account that, you know, God does restore and he's not looking at the two of us like, well, he's the soiled one and she's the one that I want to make sure is good. You know, right. he still wants to protect both of us in that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got on board with it. And but I do I want to reiterate not kissing is not going to be the thing that keeps you every young listener. Pr- please hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Refraining from kissing your boyfriend or girlfriend will not be the thing that keeps you from slipping up in a billion different areas. Yeah. It is not the thing. Yeah. You know, you will, you, 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 especially if you're attracted to the person you're, you're going to, you're going to find loopholes. You're going to find, oh man, you know, oh, I can do this because if we're not kissing, then we, we're pretty much in control of everything that's happening. Oh, it's not going to go that far because we don't kiss. You're going to find ways. So the question is not what is and what is not okay. The question should be, if you truly care about your relationship with Jesus, the question should be, how holy can we be? Mm. Like, in what ways and and how many, like, can we please God and bring glory to God's name throughout all of this? Not just... Mm okay, what's, what's good and what's bad? Okay, we want to make sure we only do the good things and we don't do the bad things. Right. Because if you do that, you're going to find loopholes to make bad things good and good things neutral and all that, all, all of it. Yeah, your question you're, should only be that. You're expressing what so many people go through. I think this is pretty universal. Every single person when I was dating, when I was younger, 
and I was dating every single older mentor basically told me the exact same thing. Like, Hey, you're going to try to set up these boundaries, but then your flesh is going to want to find ways to try to break them. And so I think we don't talk about this enough, but I think it's great that you're bringing it on the open. There's a very human side to this. And it, like, it's frustrating. I feel like this is a big part of the frustration is it's kind of like there's this mindset in the Christian mentality where it's like before you're married, all of that stuff is bad. It's like, it's, you know, it's considered dirty. Don't do it. It's wrong. God frowns upon it. And then it's like you get married and all of a sudden it like does a complete reversal. And it's like now all that stuff is great. And God loves that you do that. Like he designed it. And I feel like we can talk about it in this harmful dichotomy where it's basically like this is really, really bad. And then you get married and all of a sudden the bad thing becomes good. I think a lot of times it's like we frame it in that weird way. We need to really talk about how it is good. It is never not yeah. good. It's a good thing that God invented, but it has its place. Like it's made yeah. for a certain thing. Um, sort of like my computer is made for computing. If I tried to go out into the ocean and surf on my laptop, that is not the purpose of the laptop. It would probably, it would definitely break the laptop. Sorry. That was like, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a horrible youth pastor analogy. I just pulled out of thin air. Uh, no, it's, that works. It's how I my brain it. works. I think that we definitely need to, I think that as the church and as Christians, we do this thing where we make sex and uh, sexual sin the absolute worst one. Yep. It's like, yo, that is the worst thing that you can do if you do it and you're doing it. Well, then you can't really be a Christian. Well, if, you know, if this and that, but I, as a matter of fact, there would be times where we're going to hang out and I've been like, okay, as long as we don't slip up, it's a good day. Like, it's fantastic. It's a great day. But then we'll go and hang out and we don't slip up, but I've been selfish and prideful all day. And like, I'm, I'm quick to, to get angry with every person we come in contact with. And not because of that, but just because my only focus is all oh, like, we just need to make sure we don't slip up sexually. But God's not like, yo, that is the big, like bad one. And then all the rest of this can, it slides. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, as a matter of fact, the, the sexual sin out of all those things is the only one that has a place and time. The rest of it, God hates all the time. <laughs> like, right. he always hates pride. He always hates you know, yeah. like you, pride doesn't become okay once you get married. It's like, oh, pride's never great be, now. <laughs> exactly. So, but but duality is a thing that God placed there, and it's a good thing. But you need to learn to tame it until it's time, and mm. and put boundaries in place, and have accountability, and all those things. But the rest of it, pride is always evil. Selfishness is always evil. Good. Being quick to to ang to anger is always evil. You know what I'm saying? Like all of these things, mm. like God placed none of those things there. It's very true. Very true. I, I think a place my mind goes to with it is I think a lot of people, they see sex as the big one, right? Like that's the big thing you shouldn't do. But then for a lot of people, there's obviously other sexual acts that can be done besides the big one. So for a lot of people, that's been kind of loopholes and ways of getting around it. When it comes to kissing though, that's usually seen as lesser. It's like, oh, that's not really sex. That's not really sexual. I remember I was talking with a, a friend of mine, a guy uh, that I was ministering to when I was a youth pastor. 
we were hanging out and I asked, you know, Hey, you're, you're dating. How are things going with your girlfriend? He was like, Oh, you know, things are going great. Except for the fact that I'm just experiencing temptation all the time. And I was like, well, what's, what's going on? Like, obviously in a relationship, you're going to have temptation, but like what's going on that's causing such a heightened amount of it. And he was like, I don't know, we're making out all the time, uh, but I don't think that's that big a deal. And we started talking about it and I was basically trying to lay down for him when you're making out with somebody as a Christian, you think, you think of it this way. You think I'm, I'm fighting Satan. Like I'm fighting the temptation and I've got to make sure that while we're making out, I'm keeping it. A, <laughs> it's a pure makeout session and I'm not going to go further. You know, this is a holy makeout session and we're not going to take it to the next level. But what I was trying to tell him was, dude, when you are making out with somebody, you're not just fighting Satan's temptation. You're actually fighting God's biology because he actually programmed your body in such a way that when you kiss in that way, your body and her body are going to start activating things within them that basically are preparing your body and her body for the next step and the next step and the next step and then eventually sex. That's just biology. It's it's chemistry. It's how that stuff works. It's not evil. It's not dirty. How God designed it. It's how God designed it and he designed it for marriage. And marriage, it's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. Outside of marriage, it's like, again, another classic youth ministry analogy, but it's like fire is great in a fire pit. But if you live in California, if the fire gets out of the fire pit, it's like dude now the forest is burning down this is terrible so exactly that's the classic analogy oh has it been relating to other people in this do you feel like have you been mocked for this by other people or teased by kind of your peers how do you deal with that no just, the funny thing is this all of my friends have gone like this oh yeah bro like that is that's so good like yeah that's gonna be really good for you guys and like all that kind of stuff it's like yeah because me and you know me and my girl like we sh like it's just such a struggle I'm like oh yeah like why don't you why don't you do it like oh no i'm not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> oh wait nah no it's too late we've already kissed and i'm like okay <laughs> so all right yeah so i mean it hasn't been it's been like oh that seems extreme and all that kind of stuff because you know in in my mind like the way i look at it is that not that kissing itself is a sin right that it it is it's unwise you know yes We also have friends that they're about to get married uh, next month and they've kissed. They've been dating as long as us. They never decided they're not going to kiss. And they have had a much more successful relationship where purity is concerned than us. Mm. But they've kissed the entire time. Mm. And that's because uh, that's just not something, that's not, I don't even know exactly how to say this. I mean, they're, it's not like, you know, sexuality and all that kind of stuff is, is not a struggle for them. Cause I mean, it's a struggle for everybody who, yep. you know, breathes, <laughs> breathes air and you know, like, or water. But yeah, I mean, they, they just, they, they have it, you know? And so, but they've also been wise to be like, Hey, let's not right. sit here and make out for an hour. Let's not do that. Right. You know? Yeah, you can get so legalistic like about it and kind of make hard rules, but I think it's better to look at it from a wisdom perspective. Like what is wise for me? What is wise for them? And I like what you're saying too about when people mess up and they're like, well, we've already crossed that line, so why not keep going? We don't treat really any other sin that way. We don't think, oh, I've already lied, so now I'm just going to be a liar. Yeah. I think the wisdom angle on it is very, it's a good point you're making. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, same here. I feel like a lot of our friends, I mean, pretty much all of the people who we surround ourselves 
are believers. And so mm-hmm. even though some of the boundaries that we've put into place, like others aren't doing, and it can maybe feel a little bit extreme, mm-hmm. everybody's very supportive and understands the end goal. And it's kind of just like, if that's what you guys need, then good for you. You know, mm, that's good. Yeah. I, I like that your friends are being supportive and not making fun of you. That's that's. I was just assuming that, you know, people were teasing you guys about it, but it's great that you're surrounding yourselves with good people. For you guys, what's been, knowing that everybody, like I, just in all honesty, every person I've ever talked to who's a Christian, who's in a relationship, when I get into a one-on-one deep conversation with them about it, everybody struggles in some way. Some some have struggled more than others. I can say this, me and my wife, we have struggled as well in different areas. I, I think it's a very normal part of being human, just like just like outside of a relationship, you struggle with sin inside of a relationship, you struggle with sin and not just sexual sin. You, we're talking about, you know, horrible attitudes and mistreating one another at times and pride and all that stuff. So we can expect that of our human nature. But then when we fall down, the question is, do we stay down or do we keep getting back up and following Jesus? So my question for you guys is in your journey through the ups and downs, what have you learned about temptation and how have you learned to fight against temptation? Do you have any strategies that you would give the people listening? Run, (laughs) just run. I'm so serious. There's been times where you know, and there's been plenty of failures too, but there's been times where, you know, you know, you want to have a moment before, you know, at the end of the night where it's like, you're leaving and you just, you know, you want to have like a little sweet moment, but then like you feel that that little sweet moment is just going to be a whole lot more than what it is. And there has literally been times where I've been like, Hey, listen, I'm going to get out of your car. I'm going to go home now. Hmm. And she's like, Oh, right now. I'm like, yep, right now. That's what I'm going to do because that's what needs to happen. That's uh, that's wise. There's also been times where she's been like, hey, I need you to get out of my car and I need you to go home now. You know, there's like, it's just, it's, it's just what it is. Or, you know, like uh, there's just, it's what is. Hey, look, flee temptation, flee temptation. The Bible literally, it, it tells you the, the Bible says to resist the devil. So he's basically saying, you know, and God expects you to strap on armor mm. and go to war with the enemy. Mm. But his advice when it comes to temptation is literally run away. Do not try and fight this because you're going to lose. Just run. Just run. Just flee. Get away from it because it's it's there's an L waiting for you because and not not to say that every time you're just going to. But he's like, he knows us. He knows that he put it in our biology, in our DNA to desire this. You want to have sex. It's going to be fantastic. But um, out of time, out of its time, it's not good. And you you just, you don't have, you ain't got it like that. You don't have that kind of hmm. strength where it's just like, I got this. Don't worry about it, God. <laughs> right. I'm going to handle this this time. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. You know? I, that's definitely, yeah, the Joseph model, flee temptation. I heard of something from a, a pastor years ago that really stuck with me. He was talking about how, yes, we need to flee temptation. The Bible also says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he was saying yeah. he was saying that our posture at times can be avoiding the problem. So not just fleeing temptation, which is that I mean that's that's biblical, that's good, but kind of like suppressing it when we have temptations and kind of sweeping under the rug and just being like, I don't want to address that, I don't want to deal with it. But he was saying instead of running from the devil, fight back. And he gave this framework of like the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And he was talking about how, you know, if you're struggling with lust when it comes to 
like pornography, or really you can apply this to any sin, but whether, you know, struggling with lust when it comes to pornography, or if you're in a relationship and you're struggling with sexual temptation, instead of just suppressing those urges and feelings, call them out for what they are and say, hey, I'm admitting right now, God, I have a lust problem. This is an issue. Like I'm, I'm calling it for what it is. And then he said, spend like 10 minutes praying for other people that you know have the same issue. And he was recommending, you know, whether it was you struggling with pornography on your own or whether it was as a couple, you know, sit down and pray by yourself or together for three other couples that you know who are dealing with temptation. And it's like he was saying after you spent 10, 15 minutes in God's presence praying for other people to resist Satan and what he's doing and destroying lives, it's like you're not going to want to go down that road anymore because you're going to be in this holy headspace of instead of giving into the strategies of the enemy, you're you're actively fighting against him. And I, I loved it because he, he gave this illustration of like the enemy shooting fiery darts at you and you're like grabbing them out of thin air, just chucking them back at him. And uh, I thought that was great. So I, I agree. Resist the devil, flee from temptation, fight back, you know? Now, let me ask you guys this. I, I, I think, well, are you guys aware that there's no verse in the Bible that like explicitly like a one-liner verse that says thou shalt not have sex before marriage. Are you guys aware of that? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people who they want that. They want the clear verse that just spells out like, tell me exactly what I can do and what I can't do. Give me the list of sexual acts that are okay before marriage and the ones that aren't, you know, can I get that in, in Leviticus or something? And I think the problem is a lot of times in the church and in Christian circles, we talk about the what, but not the why. Here is what you should do and here's what you should not do. And I think I think it's really important for this generation right now, Generation Z. I think that is a generation starting with millennials and going down to Gen Z. We tend to be critical thinkers, skeptical of authority. We like to think for ourselves and draw our own conclusions. When I was a youth pastor, there was a lot of times I would tell people, here is the right thing to do. Here's what you shouldn't do. But then they would still go on and do it, right? So I've learned it's not just about the what, it's about the why. So I, I would want to ask you guys, what is your theological framework for why you are trying to keep yourselves as you would say, sexually pure before marriage. From a theological perspective, what's the why behind that? I think that for one, sex is a thing that it is meant to, to bring two people into one, right? Hmm. And it's like, it, it, there's, it sounds like, you know, spooky <laughs> when Christians say this, but you, you have sex with somebody and that is, a, it's, it's physical, but it's also spiritual, you know? And so you do that with however many boyfriends or girlfriends that you, you have, you're, you're giving away a piece and you're also taking a piece of somebody every time that happens. Right. Hmm. And I think that there's also, I think in the Bible, when you look at, when you look at scripture, every time somebody had sex with either someone who was not their wife or, you know, when, when Sarah in the Bible was like, yo, Abraham, yo, <laughs> get down with my servant because right. this is going to be lit. Right. There's consequences. There's severe, there's real consequences every time something like that happens. Or when, you know, I, I think that if, if you were meant to have multiple, mm -hmm. multiple partners and multiple, all that kind of stuff, I think that we would see God giving that the green light. <laughs> we see God, you know what I'm saying? Like blessing 
yeah, and like all the, those kind of situations. And also right. even in the garden, like God didn't, God wasn't like, and here's six people and you guys figure out whatever <laughs> you guys feel like doing, you go ahead and just make it work. It's very true. You know, very true. Yeah. That, that's just like some of the stuff like off the top of my head that I can think. That's good. That's a, that's a, I feel like that's a good baseline theological framework for it. I go to Genesis 2, 24 through 25. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast mm -hmm. to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Like you're saying, uh, it's I like how you said it sounds spooky to people who aren't Christians. There's a lot of stuff that we Christians believe that I think sounds spooky to people who aren't Christians. Like if you're a non-Christian, you walk into church and people are singing songs about washing yourself in, in the blood of the lamb. You're like, what, what, what is this? You know, <laughs> but uh, eat so, the body, drink the blood. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good for us as Christians to acknowledge the weirdness, but yeah. So this idea of this is the way God designed it. One man and one woman together. First Corinthians seven, two says, because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman, her own husband. Paul's saying any, the apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he's saying any activity outside of marriage that is sexual is considered sexual immorality. And so you brought up polygamy, multiple wives. We do see that in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's people running around with multiple wives all over the place. But yeah. God, God never actually blesses it. There's never any yeah. verse that indicates he's into it. In fact, most yeah. of the time it's happening, those relationships have tons of drama and fall apart. So the framework that we're given throughout scripture, even though there's not one verse that just says, don't do it. When we look at the whole framework of it, it really seems to paint a picture of what's what's right and what's wrong in God's eyes. And the last thing I'll say on this is, are you guys familiar with the language of covenant in the Bible? Yeah. So yeah, covenant, for those of you guys listening who don't know, the Bible uses the language of covenant all over the place. And it's basically this idea of partnership between two parties in agreement to work together and commit to one another, despite the challenges and the difficulties. It's really the framework that God gives us for all relationships, all love relationships. He has a covenant with us, this commitment to love us despite our flaws and failures. And that's really seems to be the framework that he modeled for marriage. And I think of it this way, like, you know, when it comes to sex, our culture seems so open to people just taking whatever they want from other people. But think about it in the terms of like children. You're not allowed, like if you have a desire to like have a kid for a day, you're not allowed to just go to the park and grab a kid and say, let's go hang out. You know, you'll get arrested for that because people are like, that's not yeah. your, that's not your child. Like there's no commitment between you and that child. There's no relationship. If you, if you want a child, like you have to, if you can't have a child naturally, you got to go adopt, you got to sign papers and go mm -hmm. through this process because it's a big deal and you're committing yourself to another person. That's not how yeah. the culture thinks about sex though. Sex is, it's, it's a product to be purchased or you go out and you get it, you conquer someone, you take it from them. But really it seems the way that God framed things is sex is not the point of relationships. The covenant is the point of the relationship. And then sex is something that happens inside that covenant. Does that make sense? Like I'm, I'm just trying to think through this and give the listeners a, a framework to really uh, think through this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, I think because uh, sex can be such a taboo topic in the church mm. and it's kind of this like forbidden thing that almost draws more attraction to it yeah. and can kind True. of be even in relationship if it's like, oh, that's like the one thing that we can't do. There's almost like a, a stronger like, desire to do it. You want to press the big red button. Yes. Mm. 
And so I think for some relationships, even if that's not happening prior to marriage, that can often be a super strong motivation to get married really quickly. Yeah. And I think that's another like benefit almost to not having had physical contact. So to give you guys a little bit of history, we didn't have really any kind of physical contact for the first two months, if not more. Like not even like holding hands. Like she wouldn't let me. Nothing. <laughs> because I really wanted to make sure that the relationship that we were building and the friendship was strong, you know, yeah. because I think yeah. as soon as you introduce any kind of physical affection, even if it's like safe, like holding hands or hugging or whatever, it can almost blind you from really big indicators like, hey, this person may not be for you or have like the same desires or mm. whatever. So I think that building a foundation that is reflecting Christ is really important because I think that that is what covenant is. Like your mm. marriage should reflect um, the way that Christ loves us. And obviously we're gonna fail in those ways, but I think if the motivation is simply let's get married to have sex, then you kind of miss the reason why that was designed. You miss the beauty and like the gift that sex mm. really is because you're not understanding it for what it is. Mm, so yeah, point. I really think that talking about covenant is very important, even in like the dating relationship so that you kind of understand like, wait, what is marriage really? Is it something that's like to make us happy hmm. or is it something that's to, to bring God glory and make actually like make us holy? Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's also, I think there's a, even in Christianity, I think there's a misconception about marriage that it's, you know, it's just like a more serious dating. That's why, you know, people <laughs> are just, hey, like, hey, you know, yeah, I mean, you can get married and have sex and give it a shot. And, you know what I'm saying? If it doesn't work out, just get a divorce. It's fine. You know, yeah. but it's like uh, that grieves the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like that grieves the heart of God. Divorce is a thing that God despises because, yeah. Yeah. and there's reasons for that. And you know I'm saying like, we could get it all into that and like, what it is that marriage really represents and why God despises it. Mm. Um, but it's one of the reasons that, that, that makes sex like powerful and makes it good and beautiful. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that there's, there's another side to it though, that, you know, we've talked about a, a bunch of times is like, if you've people take, people take that verse where Paul says, if you're burning with passion, mm -hmm. take a wife so that you don't you know fall into sin. And they either, they put two extremes on it. They either go, nah, that verse doesn't count. <laughs> or they go, man, I need to just find a wife so I can have sex like ASAP, yeah. you know? Yeah. And neither of those is accurate to the verse. But in, in a situation where it's like, you've, you found the person, like Jordan and I, like our, our desire is to get married, you know? And That's we've awesome, been together and we've made a decision like, yeah, like this is you know, if, if like God willing, this is the person I'm going to marry, but you are struggling and you, you know what I'm saying? Your, your period is a struggle. Then absolutely. You should make plans to, to get married instead of just sitting and burning with this passion that you, you don't, like I said, you don't got it like that. You don't have what it takes to just be like, nah, we can wait, you know, like, right. Get like, if you're, it's going to, it's, it's like saying this, hey, this is going to happen. So if it's going to happen, let's make sure it happens the right way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. very true. Very true. And, and I feel like 
I feel like the sad thing is our, the way our current culture is so many young people wait a long time to get married because they think, well, I can't get married until I have all my ducks in a row. I've got to have the perfect job mm -hmm. lined up. We've got to have two cars. We've got to have a good place to live. We've, you know, lots of money coming in. We've got to pay for the perfect dream wedding that looks really good on Instagram and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, my encouragement to a lot of young people is just like marriage is so much more than all that. And, you know, just me and my wife have been together 10 years. We started really young. We got married in our very early 20s, didn't have a lot of money for like a super fancy wedding. Our apartment was cheap. Most of our furniture was from the thrift store, but we had a foundation that was built on our friendship and also our commitment to Jesus together. It wasn't built on the physical stuff. It was the physical stuff was there. We were definitely attracted to one another. We still are, but there was a foundation of deep, rich friendship there. And I just try to encourage people like if that foundation is there, if you have the deep, rich friendship, why kill yourself by waiting so long that you're going to be so frustrated because you're going to be attracted to this person, which again is a God-given mechanism that you're fighting against. It's like almost like that attraction is pushing you towards something that God designed, which is marriage. Notice I say marriage before sex, right? I'm not saying God is pushing you towards sex. He's pushing you towards marriage. And then sex is a wonderful part. It's a wonderful piece of that pie. It's not the main thing. So I think a lot of people like get it backwards and put the cart before the horse. I think you guys are making great points and I, I wish you guys the best in that because the struggle is real as you guys have admitted but you guys I think are doing it the right way and you've got a good head on your shoulders so I, I will be praying for you Jordan you were mentioning I love, man, opening up about your struggle with pornography. That's something that most young women do not do, if, especially, you know, growing up in youth group, right? This is something I learned pretty quickly. I was, I, I, I learned whenever we're as youth group people getting together with guys, what do we talk about? We talk about lust. We talk about porn. We talk about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Girls, they don't talk about that. Like the, the, either the girl leaders are uncomfortable or they're just naive and they, you know, the, the girl leaders of today were girls themselves before the time when the internet was just the way it is, where sex is around every corner on the internet. So it doesn't come up and, and I learned very quickly, oh my gosh, there's so many young girls who are struggling with this. With that said, I've seen kind of a growing trend of young people, especially young women who grew up in the church and they were a part of what's been labeled as purity culture. And they look back on their time growing up in the church and purity culture with a lot of negative feelings because they associate it with shame and legalism and guilt trips where they felt like as women, they were taught, you are the reason that men stumble. You are just objects of sex. And when you get married, your husband can use you however he wants. But like right now, it's your job to keep the guys around you from stumbling. And so there was just a lot of shame, especially if the girl had stumbled into sin, a lot of shame. How would you encourage somebody who's been through that experience? Like, because obviously you're somebody, you're two people who believe that purity is very important. But how would you address somebody who's had those negative experiences? I think there's so many different layers about what you just said, whether it's dealing with pornography or just dealing with lust or having sexual desires as a female surrounded by a community that's not really talking about that. Mm. And I think that's almost separate. I mean, they can go hand in hand, but I feel like it's almost separate from 
a lot of the damage that I think that purity culture has done when it's not discussed in the right way in the church. Yeah. So I think, you know, there may be girls who were at my age or at my age who are not necessarily having the same struggles that I did, but are kind of given this responsibility of, oh, it's on you to make sure that the people around you, Mm. males, are not struggling. It's really your responsibility. I think that um, as daughters of the king, we do kind of need to make sure for our brothers, like, like, yeah, is this gonna, is what I'm wearing gonna stumble somebody else? I think a lot of people don't agree with me when it comes to that. I think um, the idea has kind of become, you know what, men need to worry about themselves and females, like, it's not your responsibility at all. Mm -hmm. However, I think in any context, when it comes to somebody struggling, whether it's like with alcohol or with drugs or with like literally any struggle that there may be, you know, I'm not going to go up to an alcoholic. I mean, I don't drink, but if I did, I wouldn't just be, you know, drinking a beer in front of them, right? whether I struggle with it or not. So in the same way, I do think that there is some responsibility that I have even to my boyfriend to make sure that what I'm wearing is not going to stumble him. Mm. And I think because I love him and I, and I also love the people within my community I want to make sure that I'm not stumbling them or that there's no room for the enemy to use me in somebody else's struggle with lust. Mm. Man, that's wise. <laughs> <laughs> but for the for a girl who may be struggling with that responsibility, I would say like don't see it as it's all on you, but more see it as like try to love your neighbor mm. and do consider people's struggles. And in the same way, I would encourage just the church to kind of recognize young girls or women and consider their struggle and like open up and have conversations that are, okay, what are the, the women in our community going through? Do we need to be having more conversations around how we deal with our sexuality? How do we please God with our sexuality when we're not dating or when we're not married? Because I was never taught anything like that in church. There was no kinds of conversations. And so I think because... I was a curious person when it came to sexuality. When I stumbled upon pornography, it wasn't like, oh, oh my gosh, I shouldn't look at this. It was like, okay, finally, I can kind of like wow. explore yeah. this or study this because... Because no one else was telling um, you anything. Because it's interesting to me, yeah. Mm -hmm. And my parents did have like conversations with me, but as far as like dealing with my sexuality at that age, nothing was happening. Yeah. And so I would... Just encourage young girls to try to be vulnerable in your communities if it's not a conversation you know go to a trust a trustworthy um woman a trustworthy um maybe mentor that you might have and kind of communicate with them hey like i have curiosities or i have um questions about like how i can honor god while still being a sexual being because i'm a human right <laughs> and also know that you're not alone because for me i felt very um, ashamed for even having desires that I did at a young age because it all the conversations were leading to sexual sin is a man's thing. Wow. It's just something that boys deal with. It's not really something that girls need to talk about. So for me, I felt so much shame feeling like I'm the only girl who's going through this and I cannot talk about it with anybody, even like peers, because wow. they're just going to think I'm weird. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would just, just want to remind you guys that that is a very natural thing. You are human and God has given you those desires. But as believers, I think that we have a responsibility to steward those desires well. 
And so, hmm. yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's super solid. Yeah, I think that, I think, I mean, I feel like there's this is just actually such a deep topic. There's just so many different levels, you know, when it comes to all of that, like, you know, purity culture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, it's kind of like what she said, there, there's, there's two sides to it. There's like, yes, I think that every believer, regardless, has a responsibility mm. to love their brother or sister well mm. so it's almost it's almost more than that it's it's, it's almost not even like so if a, if a young lady is to you know hop on 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 instagram you know and she took a she took some bikini photos and they're and they're popping they're going crazy you know and she posts them she knows she's aware yes there's dudes in my church there's youth whatever youth group there's people that i know love jesus there's just people there's guys that follow me and they're gonna like this right it's almost more than just drinking in front of an alcoholic it's almost like offering it's like offering a drink to an alcoholic now at the same time guys like yes you have a everyone has a responsibility to, to love their their brother or sister well, but guys also you you have responsibilities to not be a a peepee head, you know? Like just you're <laughs> like you're just like, oh hey man, she put it out there, it's uh yeah. I mean, gotta like that photo, gotta save it, gotta you know, whatever. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> no, bro. Like you have a responsibility. When you are standing before Jesus, you know, when all this is said and done for Jesus, and he's gonna be like, Oh, well, why did this happen? And you say, Oh, well, hey, you know, she was wearing this, he's not gonna be like, Oh, all right, okay, then you're good. Like right. that that's not what happens. God is not like, okay, fire. You're all in the clear. Don't worry about it. Let's go eat some heaven food. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's not how it goes. You are responsible for your actions. You're responsible Absolutely. for yourself as well. Wow. So hmm. yeah, like you, it, it, it's 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 ultimately on you. I, I I don't I hate the the narrative. Like you know, hey, look, if if you you know if your brother if your brothers girls are like stumbling, then like just remember, like it's your fault. You're the reason that it's happening, and you need to fix it. Yeah. Like, nah, because if, in honesty, uh, I was 15, 16 years old, struggling the way I was struggling and having the thoughts I was having. And, you know, girls are wearing jeans and a, and a hoodie. Yeah. And it just is what it is. You can be, a, you can be full Pentecostal mode in a skirt, <laughs> not showing anything but your ankles and your neck. You know, but right. the guys, because of the fact that, you know, lust is real and not even just guys, but, you know, as a guy, I'm speaking to guys. Lust is real. Sexual desires is real. The enemy planting thoughts in your head, shooting arrows, like you said, like it's it's real. It's a real thing. Mm. So mm. absolutely. Like, mm. yeah, it's it's not just what girls are wearing, <laughs> you know, like right. your mind, and the enemy, the world, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it will find a way. So, you know, and I definitely think that on the topic of girls uh, also, I mean, I, I was in the impression until like three, four years ago that I was like, I would say this all the time, man, girls don't even like sex. <laughs> like, right. I would say that so right. often. And it's a thing that, you know, now is, is you know, kind of joked about, but I mean, like, that's, it's just not true, you know? Yeah. And, and girls do, they struggle. I, I, there was a church conference that I used to go to called Future Quest. And uh, there was a pornography workshop and I went in there because I, as a, a young boy, I mean, like I also, I struggled with pornography from ages, I think 11 to 20, mm. like heavy struggling mm. going through it. And so I was in that workshop and there were girls in there and I was like, yeah. they have 
they're in the wrong. They, you, right. hey, this is right. actually the this is actually the, the porn workshop. Yeah. She goes, oh, what? Oh, I got a. But she was in there because she knew. But you know, like me, like oh, girls don't struggle with that. So then, like, there's even more shame that's kind of heaped on their head because it's like, oh yeah, I'm a girl. I shouldn't be struggling with this. Why? Right. Like, they're looking at me weird because I'm in here. But I think we need to. I don't know, kind of, it sounds weird to say normalize that, but like, normalize the struggle. Yeah. Normalize the struggle, not the sin. Yeah. Exactly. Normalize the struggle. That's, mm. that's good. I think that's huge, man. I've, I've heard from so many young people and even young women directly about how when we talk about these things, it's so uplifting because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I don't struggle with this by myself. There's other people that deal with this and there's other people that have found hope and healing through this. I think one thing you guys are tapping into is something that is huge. It's the, I was reading a book about this uh, last year, but the pornification of culture. And we see this on social media. There's like this deadly cycle of pornography where we have the porn industry obviously doing their thing. The advertising industry is piggybacking off of them and they're trying to sell this image. You know, it's the idea of sex sells. You've got, you know, people like, the Kardashians on Instagram totally buying into that same idea and philosophy of I need to sell myself in a sexual way in order to be liked and appreciated. And I remember talking to like some young guys in my youth group because they were struggling with, you know, girls posting sketchy photos and they would go and like them. And it's the same thing you were saying, John, of like, well, yeah, she put it out there. So I'm just appreciating what she's putting out there. And it's like, what you, what just you appreciating what God made. Yeah, ex exactly. And it's like, what you don't understand. And, and Jordan, you can maybe, you know, let me know if I'm off on this, but from what I've seen and heard so many young women who are involved in the porn industry, come from broken homes. They were abused, a lot of them by their fathers or by uncles or relatives. There's so much brokenness and hurt within the porn industry and insecurity. And it leads to people putting themselves out there saying, I want to be valuable. I want to be seen as valuable. And so I'm going to sexualize myself in order to get value from other people. And that's just the porn industry. When you look at just Instagram itself, so many young women who are putting themselves out there in a sexual way, it comes from a place of brokenness and insecurity of wanting affirmation and wanting people to like them and wanting people to value them. And culture tells them if you're a woman, the only thing that is valuable about you is your sexuality. I mean, do you, do you think that's off or do you think there's some accuracy there and kind of that's just where my brain's been on it. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is for sure some accuracy there when it comes to, well, I don't know. I think Instagram has really created like a whole world of its own. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is now trying to like basically become an influencer. Yes. And a lot of like they're really successful. Not, I mean, not everybody because people have different desires other than just the flesh, but a lot of the people who are really successful right now in our society are people who are showing skin, specifically women. So I think young girls pick up on that and then think, oh, wow, okay, well, you know, everybody's trying to be an influencer. Maybe I should try to do that. And the only way that I can get attention or really find value right now is by showing skin. 
I don't even know if it's like even a thought process anymore. It's kind of just like, just oh, like, this is the way that it is. Second because, nature. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And it's kind of like, it's just very concerning to me, like seeing it because a lot of the newer generation, I mean, are just people on social media are like 10, 11, 12 years old. And so picking up on that, even if you're coming from a loving home around that age, you're more kind of focused sometimes on what the world's doing, how society views you, than how maybe your mom sees you. And so yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of younger people, they might see that and kind of say, okay, well, if I want to be somebody, then I need to be interesting and in that way. And, you yeah. know, even like TikTok, you know, it's like I need to get on screen and dance and do whatever. And so everything you're saying is spot on. Uh, you know, I I really think that the, everything you guys are saying is so wise and you guys have so much wisdom for your age. It's really encouraging. I think that, you know, us youth pastors, the stuff you're saying, it's a lot of times stuff that we say, but when we say it, it just goes in one ear and out the other. And sometimes it takes a younger person that someone can relate to. And they're like, well, you're, you're old, you're 30, like, forget, like, what, whatever, man, like, you don't know what you're talking about. But when it's somebody who's actually the age of the people going through it, it's a lot more relatable. And so I just really appreciate you guys um, sharing your story and just your perspectives. John, I'd love to switch over to the topic of music for a second. One of the things that's come up a lot as I've talked to other people about this interview and basically said, hey, what should I ask these guys is music. Uh, Hip hop is a lot of times considered to be a very sexual, sexualized musical environment. There's a lot of sex in hip hop. So for you as a Christian, you know, I've noticed as I was listening to one of your albums today, there's not really a lot of sex talk, at least the way the world talks about it. How's that been for you in the music world? And, and has it been hard to not go down the, the path that most other people are taking there? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that obviously we're in a culture that's overly sexualized and everything is everything that it is. It hasn't been hard for me. I'll say that as a rapper, you know, like when you you're just thinking of like, bars and different things that you can say you know there's been times where it's like a, a, a bar will pop into your head and be like well that's what i would say if <laughs> i didn't believe anything that i believe <laughs> um so i'm not gonna say that but i mean that hasn't really i mean I, I don't have much that i could even i'd have to make up a lot of stuff <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah i'd have to lie a whole lot and so, yeah, it hasn't really been hard. There, There is, you know, I have, so the, the album that I just put out recently is called Antihero. Mm. And in that album, there's a song called Dance that describes when I lost my virginity. Mm. And it's, it's not explicit, but it's, you know, it's definitely, I mean, it, it talks about the, what, what happened. You're telling the story. About my thought process. Yeah, I'm telling the story. You know, yeah. it talks about my thought process after it happened because for me when that happened me being you know who i am and believing what i believe that was just like mm. one of the absolute darkest times that happened and then and then i just went into like complete self just it's just time to crap on myself and wow. just like mm. you're a piece of trash and you're like look at you and like all this kind of stuff and it, you know they got really dark and then and i think that that also has something to do with 
um, the overemphasis of sex being the evil, the like the biggest bad thing that you can do as a Christian. Yeah. To where I felt like I had completely just ruined everything. I was like asking God, like, you know, like, God, if you want to smite me off the face of the earth, like do it because I deserve it. Like that. That's where I was at because of that thing. And God was like, what? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's, that's, no, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I mean, my, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of people that, that talk a whole lot about, you know, sex and all that kind of stuff in their music. Um, I do listen to artists that, that do that. But even when I do that, I have to take it in small doses because then <laughs> right. it's on your mind and it's there and it's, you know, and there's some people that don't really struggle with that, but Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, it hasn't been, it hasn't really been much of a struggle. Hmm. Uh, That's good. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate your perspective on that because you're in the music industry. And I think, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think a lot of Christian music can tend to be cheesy. And it's like, you listen to it and you're like, if you weren't a Christian, there's no way that you would enjoy this because this is explicitly made by Christians for Christians. And to some extent, it's like, as Christians, we love that. Like, I mean, worship music is great, but it doesn't really reach anybody outside of that circle. When I was listening to your album today, is it Honey Blonde? Yeah. Yeah. That's was, uh, one of the old ones, yeah. When I was going on a walk today listening to that, and uh, by the way, as a graphic designer, I loved uh, the album art on that. It was super striking. Ah, but um, Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so I was going for a walk listening to that, and I was like, this is the kind of music I feel like anybody can enjoy. It's not cheesy. I feel like it, it reaches beyond the barriers, and I can pick up, if I listen, I can pick up on this guy's faith, and I can understand what he's about, but he's not beating me over the head with it. Like, he's also expressing other parts of who he is, and so I feel like it's, it's relatable to anybody, you know? So, well done on that. Keep it up, man. You're killing it. Thank you. One of the things I want to touch on before we wrap up is the pressure that so many people face in relationships when it comes to matters of sexuality and sexual expression. A lot of times women who are in relationships with men feel pressured to have sex and they feel like if they don't do sexual things, whether it's intercourse or just any other sexual act you can do, they feel like they're afraid of losing that relationship. They're afraid that their boyfriend won't stay with them. He'll go find someone else who will do those things. John, what would your message be to young men who are in that position, who, who act that way with women? And, and Jordan, what would you think as well about that? I would say I will fight you. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I mean, this is it's such a, it's touchy. I, one of my sisters was in a relationship uh, where the man had told her, like, yes, I get what you're saying and what you believe. And like, I'm a Christian, too. But honestly, you, you're going to have to keep me interested somehow. And so wow. yeah. that's yeah. And then, and then that's what he told her. And I, I, I was like, yeah, I want to take your face off of your face. <laughs> You know, that was just like, you know, that's crazy. But from a sober-minded point of view, stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, I guess that it's tough because of the fact that in my head, I'm not saying that this is completely true. I'm aware of the fact this is not complete. This, this is, there's a chance that I could be wrong, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. Because everybody struggles with different things. But in my mind, I'm like, you know, if you if you really love Jesus and you really love that girl, mm -hmm. or even if you don't love that girl, but you love Jesus and you're interested in that girl, 
I, I feel like I could just be able to say, um, yeah, Jesus is not okay with you doing that. There's no, your job as a, as a man in the relationship uh, is to protect her and you're doing the exact opposite. Now for anybody that doesn't really love Jesus, I can't, I, I don't even know what I'd, what I'd say to you, just uh, you're right. They're, they're playing from a different rule book. You're yeah. just, your rule book is you're just doing you're all <laughs> over the place. You right. know, like, I don't even know what, what I could say to you that, you know, you probably the audience of this show at women as more objects and right. pieces of meat than actual people. That the audience have, of this show is mostly Christian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well then, you know, Christians, like, uh, if you, if, there's so much more hmm. that that girl can offer you. There's so much more that girl can bring to the relationship, can help you grow. There's just, there's a lot of, there's just a lot more that that girl can, can that a lot more that God can use that girl. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like, yeah. can yep. help you grow in your character out of, you know, there's just a billion things. And when you, when that is the, the priority and the focus, I feel like that kind of reveals what you see her as. You're looking at a relationship as a means of sexual release when that's not what it is. That's not even the priority of what relationship or even marriage is, you know? Mm. Yeah. So. Jordan, you have any thoughts on that? And And also like on the flip side of it, can you speak into the reality that it's not just a guy problem? There are plenty of cases of young men who are Christians who are trying to say, hey, I don't want to give in to temptation because my relationship with Jesus is more important. I want to honor him and this girl. But then their girlfriends are the ones pressuring them to have sex. So can, can you speak into that at all? Yeah, I would say on either side, whether it's a man or a woman who is doing the pressuring, I think that that person is probably struggling with a very skewed perspective of what a relationship is or what uh, <laughs> what loving someone is. Yeah. And so I would say if that is something that you struggle with and you know, being honest with yourself, that you have a tendency to kind of push for that because that is your fleshly desire, I would really encourage somebody to kind of like consider not being in a relationship right now. Just because... <laughs> yeah that's really difficult even for your like for yourself you're kind of you know you're dishonoring god you're dishonoring the gift that sex is or just sexual intimacy but then you're also really taking away from somebody else who may like love you and have feelings for you um and putting them in a position where they're only doing something because they want to keep you mm. on the flip side of that i would say if you're somebody who is being pressured also really consider not being in that relationship and stepping away, maybe even before making that decision, going to maybe like a mentor and seeking counsel individually and then together as a couple and kind of seeing like, okay, can we move forward and conduct ourselves in a way where there isn't any kind of pressuring? Right. Like calling but them that's to definitely, Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's definitely difficult when especially if you love that person and yeah. you're feeling pressured to walk away. But yeah, if you're somebody who's kind of just like, no, like this needs to happen or this should be happening. And I, and I kind of like want to get that person to come around. I think it's important to acknowledge like, Hey, maybe I'm not loving my partner in the right way and really seek counsel on how to kind of change your perspective. Mm. That's really good. It reminds me of this really challenging quote I heard from a guy at one point. I can't remember who it was, but it just, it like blew me away. 
because it's so against everything our culture says. He was saying as Christians, we need to recognize that love is radical and it's a choice. It's a choice to be with someone despite any flaw or problem or issue. And he was saying, basically, you know, if you're in a married relationship, right? And if somebody goes blind or goes deaf, right? If you give up on them because of that, because it's inconvenient for you now to be in that relationship with a blind person or a deaf person, you don't actually love them. You just love what they can do for you. And so he was saying, he was, he was encouraging young Christian men. He was like, you need to look at the girls that you're dating and ask yourself the question. If she got in an accident and she wasn't able to have sex, you know, like if, if sex was just off the table, you could do other things, but like, you know, what people consider normal sex, like you couldn't do that. Would you stay with her? If the answer is no, it's like, do you actually love her? Or just, do you love the idea of what she could be to you and, uh, and what you could get from her? And that was just like, <laughs> so heavy and so radical. But I think it's true. I mean, think about God and his love for us. He sticks with us despite all of our flaws, all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our sins. He's radically committed to us. And that's what Christian love and commitment looks like. And so, yeah, I, everything you guys were saying earlier about how young people can get married quick just to have sex and, and sex becomes the central element of your relationship. As someone who's been married 10 years, I can say you'll find out pretty quick after you get married. There are so many other things you're going to face as a couple, so many challenges, so many trials, like sex is not going to be the focus. It'll be a great part of it, but life together is so much more than that. And, and you need to have a heart and desire to have commitment towards one another through sickness, health, thick and thin, through all the ups and downs and craziness, craziness of life you need that commitment to one another and that's what's gonna uh, get you through and not just commitment to one another but commitment to jesus which is something i feel like you two have and it's beautiful to see so i'm excited for you guys i think the last question i'll ask you to wrap up is what would your advice be to people who've made mistakes people who have either slept around or they're in a committed boyfriend girlfriend relationship they love jesus maybe even they wanted to not fall into sexual sin, but they have. Uh, and maybe now they're wrestling with like, oh, well, we already did it. So like, why should we stop? Or maybe it's not that, maybe they're just heartbroken and they have so much shame, so much guilt. They feel like they've let God down, their families down, each other's down. What would your advice be to people who have gone through that? How can you encourage them to move forward? Um, I would say for one, you know, God is a redeemer, you know, mm. uh, Jesus does not define you by your mistakes. Mm. You know, he's, he d defines you by his, uh, victory, you know? And so like, that's the lens that, that God sees you through. He sees you through the lens of Jesus still, even after you've done that. So first mm. of all, second of all, um, Again, like we said a billion times, sex is not the big bad one. You know, it's, I don't want to say it's just another sin in the context of it's not that bad. So, you know, if you feel okay lying, then you, I'm not saying in that context, but mm. if after you lose your temper and you cuss somebody out 
you go crazy and you say horrible things to somebody, hmm. you can go back and you can apologize to that person and be like, hey, that was wrong of me. Hmm. I don't want to do that. This is how I'd like to to, to be. Hmm. You can do that same thing. That, that moment does not define the remainder of your life or your hmm. relationship or anything like that. The same thing is with sex. You know, you don't need to live and dwell in shame. One thing that we learned was, um, yes, it's sin does, if you dwell in it, it'll separate you from God. But the the thing is, if you dwell in shame, it it does the same thing. Mm -hmm. When you are ashamed and and you just bathe in that and you are hiding from God and you feel like God doesn't want to, I can't until I, all of these things, you're, you're moving for, you're moving away from God. And God is actually not even, he's not even looking at you like, you know, stop doing that or waiting for you to get it right. What he's actually asking you to do is to invite him into those moments when you're struggling so that he can be your strength. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, totally. yeah, I would say that yeah, that that's the that's what I would say to somebody. You just you don't have to keep doing this, and you don't have to let it define you. Mm. You know, that's good. So. Well said. Yeah, I would kind of say something really similar. I mean, something that we've talked about is how you can't fully walk with Jesus and walk in shame at the same time. because that is something that he just completely wants to strip away from you. However, the enemy would love to keep you in that. So if that's something that you're sitting in, don't feel like, okay, this is my punishment and this is the consequence. Like, yeah, there may be consequences from your, you know, from your sin. You may struggle a little bit more, but like all of those areas that are now consequences, God wants to like meet you there and now mm. help you through them it's not just like all right well that's what you did so <laughs> this is who you like, are now this is it yeah but he, he loves wow. you so much and like wants to give you grace in that and also understands like that there is a struggle and so i think something that i learned even before we started dating when I was struggling with pornography afterwards, once I had been freed from it, I kind of decided like I was never gonna tell anybody just because I was still holding a lot of shame and didn't even realize it. Mm. And then one day God kind of spoke into that space and was like, are you really free from that sin if you know, you're not willing to tell anybody about it and you're still in so much shame like this is not what freedom actually looks like like freedom with me looks like um like fully walking in victory and being able to proclaim i am not who i was and like Mm. god has completely changed me and so you should almost feel excited to say like (laughs) i'm not that person anymore and like god has fully like taken me out of that and yeah there might be some some days of struggle but because he pulled me out one time I know that he can pull me out again and he's gonna help me in this moment so I think yeah just learning to walk through that and know that you are loved child and that God's not ever forsaking you and he's not going to start so yeah so good man so good love it like everything you guys are saying is perfect 
I think this is a great place to end. Thanks for everything you guys said. Thanks for sharing your perspectives and your heart. And I think this is going to bless and help a ton of people. So just thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. And it's been great getting to know you guys and Jordan catch up and get to know you better. John, it's great to get to know you. I'm definitely going to listen to more of your albums now. Just so uh, I can thank you. keep picking up on your, your theological uh, musings through the music as well. So yeah, thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. You got it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.